Welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christ Walk. How's everybody doing this morning? So good to see you guys today. So glad that you are here. And um, we are, we're continuing this day of celebration together um, as I deliver this fourth and final installment of God Never Said That. And I don't know about you guys, but I've had an absolute blast over the past few weeks. It's been incredible to talk about some of this stuff. Um, if you've got your Bible or a smart device with a Bible app on it, and you would like to join me um, today, we're going to be reading, we'll, we'll land eventually um, in John 14, that's the gospel of John. So we have in the, the New Testament, the Bible's divided into these two big sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right at the beginning of the New Testament, the second section, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call these the gospels because gospel means good news. And these four books, they tell the good news about Jesus And so we're going to land in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, and we're going to be um, reading from verse 1 and following here in just a minute. But um, back in week one of this series, we we debunked this, uh, this cultural misbelief that God wants us to be happy. And we discovered that, no, God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. He wants us to pursue holiness. And then uh, a week after that, we, we talked about this uh, cultural misbelief that God won't give us more than we can handle when in fact we discover that God will give us more than we can handle because he wants us to depend on him. And then last week, we talked about the cultural misbelief that it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else And we discovered that the things that we do, the sins that we commit, they hurt God, they hurt us, and they hurt other people. And so today, to close out this series, we're going to be talking about the cultural misbelief that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. And you know, when it comes to the things that people believe... And whether or not they believe in God or whether or not they're a religious person or anything like that, we, we say things like, well, you know, they're a good person. You know, you, sh- you should be fine. Like, you're a good person. You know, we say stuff like that. Or we'll go, to a, we'll go to a funeral. In my line of work, I'm at funerals like all the time. And so I've seen the good and the bad and everything in between. And sometimes at funerals, you know, you'll hear people say, well, like this guy, he wasn't very religious. And, you know, truth be told, he treated his family pretty terribly, and he cussed like a sailor, you know, but he's in a better place now looking down on us. Like, is he really? Like, really? Is that really what we believe? But we say these things like this to, to try to make ourselves um, feel better about things, and, and or we'll come up with, with statements like, well, I just... I refuse to believe that a loving God would send somebody to hell. Here's the problem. God never said that. God never said those things. The the Bible does not communicate that. Here's the deal. In our current culture in North America in particular, you know, God doesn't present much of a controversy. In fact, um, let's say that there's an athlete who hits the winning shot at the buzzer in the playoffs for his team to advance towards the championship. 
And in the post-game interview, what's the first thing that athlete does? I just like to thank God for giving me the ability, you know. Like, that's the first thing they do. Or, or like an actor or a musician is recognized for an incredible performance or an incredible song that they've written or performed or whatever. And they get called up on the stage in an award show to be handed an award. And what's the first thing that they do? They always lean down into the microphone like this because they don't realize that the microphone will still pick them up from up here. And, you know, it's like, why don't they just raise the microphone in those award shows or communicate? You don't have to lean down and talk into it. You know, they always look really weird. But the first thing that they do, I don't, that was a total sidebar. That was like squirrel. That was a squirrel moment. Just needed to get that off my chest this morning. But the first thing they always do is, I'd, I'd just like to thank God. I'd just like to thank God. Or even, even the, the most unreligious among us, when something good bounces our way, the most unreligious person among us will say, well, praise the Lord. You know, we don't even think about it. And there's, there's no controversy involved in that. And, and even, even beyond that, spirituality doesn't present any controversy within our culture anymore. We are, we are simply fascinated with the myriad of approaches to spirituality that celebrities and, and others um, seem to be taking and the, the paths that they're on. And we will spend an, an inordinate amount of time and sometimes even money to keep up with what others that are popular within our culture are doing in terms of spirituality. That doesn't present any controversy, but when things get controversial, it's when you, controversial is when you bring up the name of Jesus. That's when it gets real. That's when it gets controversial. Spirituality, God, no big deal. You want to bring Jesus into the equation? Now there's some tension that comes into the atmosphere. See, here's the thing about Jesus, though. Almost no one debates his existence. Even his greatest detractors would admit that he was, in fact, a real person and walked the earth. Very few people even have any sort of issue with the things that he taught. Helping the poor, loving others, bless, being a blessing to those around you, serving, forgiveness, all of that stuff. Nobody has a problem with that stuff. The issue is boiled down to one thing and one thing only. The issue that people have with Jesus is due to the exclusivity in his claims of being the one true God. That's where people find the difficulty. You turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. My translation reads this way. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. John 14, what did I say? 4. I'm so sorry. John 14, starting in verse 1. My translation reads, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. 
The only way to the Father is through Jesus. That is the issue at hand today. There's a number of world religions that would teach something very different than what Jesus himself claimed there in John 14. See, I got it right that time. A lot of world religions, they would claim something very, very different than that. And let's just, let's just take a, a look at some of these world religions. Some of the, we don't have time to discuss all of them, especially in all of their, their uh, vast detail, but we're just going to hit the high spots on some of the, the, the big hitters in the world today. This is something you need to know about these religions. All of them are not the same. And while there may be some truth and some beauty found in some of them, they are not the same thing. All right. I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I watched Sesame Street. You guys, anybody remember Sesame Street? There was, a, there was a bird on there, and he was really big, and his name was creatively Big Bird. Would have liked to have been in that staff meeting. Well, we got this huge bird. You know, he's really big. What do you think we should call him? Frank, you got an idea? Uh, big bird? <laughs> yes, you get a raise, Frank. <laughs> Anyways, big bird, he would often do these things of comparison. He would teach, he would teach kids about things that... Um, something that was bigger or something that was smaller, or he would have several things out on a table and he would talk about the differences between them and shape and size or whatever. And he would sing a little song, which I'm not going to sing for you, so don't get too excited. But the words go like this. One of these things is not like the other. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so. And so when we talk about these world religions, something that you need to realize is that one of these things is not like the other. See if you can spot it today as we talk. First world religion I would like to highlight is atheism. Atheism, I know what you're thinking, but yes, in fact, it is much to the chagrin of atheists. It is a world religion now. I was reading online. It's actually classified as a religion. You know, I talked to an atheist one time, and the conversation went really good up until the point that I told him I didn't believe in atheists. And then it got weird. And some of y'all get that on the drive home. Um, just think about it. Atheists believe that God doesn't exist. Atheists believe that there is no life after death. Atheists believe that the universe and life as we know it, that it arose just by natural process, that all of this stuff is just one big accident and it just sort of happened and then we're thrust into the middle of it and here we are. Buddhism. Buddhism is another big one. Buddhism, for Buddhists, there is no God. There's no type of final existence. Um, Buddhists go through what they believe to be just countless rebirths, just over and over and over, and they are reborn. And the goal, the end game for Buddhists is to end their cycle of rebirth. Then you've got Hindus or, or people that practice Hinduism. In Hinduism, there, there is an impersonal God who is approached through various deities, 
statues, or idols. And along with Buddhism, um, Hinduism doesn't offer forgiveness of sin or any sort of supernatural help. God is kind of, he's, he's out of touch. He's, he's hands off. Um, but they do, uh, Hinduism operates on this basis of, you've heard this word, karma. Karma, it operates on karma. And so what karma teaches is that if you do good things to other people, then it's, it's likely that good things will happen to you in return. But on the flip side of that, if you do bad things, then it's likely that bad things will happen to you in return. Then we've got the Islamic faith, or, or um, we, we would call these people Muslims that practice this religion. They worship Allah, who is a personal God, and there's no secondary gods in, in, um, in the Islamic faith. And there's a total ban on all idols. You're standing as a member of this faith. You're standing with God as a member of the Islamic faith is dependent upon religious devotion and works, the things that you do. Then there's the New Age religion. The new, in the New Age religion, there is no personal God. The goal of the New Age religion is to, is to achieve a higher consciousness or to become one with the universe or the cosmos. And then finally, we get to Christianity. In Christianity, there is a personal God who sent his only son, Jesus, to the earth to show his followers a picture of true love and what love is all about. And this man, Jesus, died on the cross in the place of the people so that they could be forgiven of their sin. One of these things is clearly not like the others. And so today, here's what I would ask of everyone in the room. Whether you've been, whether you've been um, a, a, a Christian for a number of years, or maybe you're here and you're not a believer and you don't really know where you stand in any of this, here's what I would ask for our purposes for today. I just want you to consider one thing. Consider Jesus today. Just consider Jesus, all right? I'm not asking you to consider me because as handsome as I am, I'm going to let you down at some point, all right? So don't consider me because it's not about me. In fact, I'm not even asking you to consider this church. While this is a great church, it's certainly not perfect. We still have a lot of room to improve. I'm not asking you to even consider Christ walk. And in fact, I'm not even asking you to consider the religion of Christianity because the truth is Jesus didn't come to start a religion. All right? What, what I am asking you to consider is Jesus. Not, not, not consider, don't, don't consider the lives of other Christians because a lot of them are narrow-minded and judgmental and some of them are really big jerks and the ones on TV have terrible hair. So, like, don't, don't, just consider Jesus today. That's all I'm asking is to consider Jesus. And there's three things that I would like for you to consider about Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Three things to consider about Jesus. Number one, I'm asking that you would consider Jesus' ministry. Consider Jesus' ministry. In the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 2, Mark writes, Later, as Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating there with Jesus and his followers. Many people, liked, uh, many people like this followed Jesus. 
And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they asked his followers, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard this and said to them, it is not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. I did not come to invite good people, but to invite sinners. You know what, if, if you're here today or if you're watching with us online and you're not a believer, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Something that you need to know about Christ's walk is that this is a place where you don't have to believe to belong. That you can be a part of what we're doing and maybe you're unsure of really where you stand. And That's okay, we want you to be here. We want you to be here and today is in fact a great day for you to be with us. See, what we do here each week, it's, it's not about me. It's not about this church. The things that we do here each week are about one thing and one thing only. This man named Jesus. That's what we are about at our core. Everything that we do is about Jesus. And I hope that in our time together today that you'll come to discover that, that Jesus, he doesn't want something from you. Instead, he wants something for you. And that's what sets him apart. See, check out the kind of guy that Jesus was. First of all, he loved and accepted those that others despised. He ate with sinners and tax collectors. These were people, they were the outcasts of society. Nobody wanted to be around them. They were, they were hated, but yet Jesus went to them and he didn't just spend time with them. He ate dinner with them. One of the most intimate things that you can do with people is to sit around a table and break bread together. John chapter 8 tells the story of this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And many had circled around her, those, those religious leaders of the time. And, and they had all picked up stones and they were getting ready to kill her. They were going to stone her to death. And Jesus comes in on the scene and he looks at the crowd and says, Whoever hasn't sinned is allowed to throw the first stone. And so they all had to drop their stones and walk away. And then he looked at this woman and he said, I don't condemn you either. Go and don't sin anymore. See, Jesus wasn't about condemnation. He was about grace and forgiveness. He opened the eyes of the blind. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He healed lepers of their skin disease. He turned water into wine, y'all. Figured we'd get a big amen there. That's the one we like to talk about a lot. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised the dead to life. He was full of love and forgiveness. This is who Jesus was. And even his critics, even his critics did not question his miracles as to whether or not they were real. They just wanted him to stop. They weren't saying like, dude, like, like it's, it's what you're doing. Real. Like they were, they were witnessing and everything and they didn't, they didn't question his miracles. They just told him, stop doing that. We don't want people to see the kind of guy that you are. Quit. Because they knew that when people came into contact with Jesus and his miracles, that lives would be changed and that, that the things that they stood for would be disproven. So they just wanted Jesus to quit. The fact of the matter is today is that some of you in this room, you are here because of a miracle that Jesus has done and is doing in your life. That's the kind of guy that Jesus is. One of my greatest joys as the pastor of this church is seeing people take steps toward 
life in Jesus Christ. In, in fact, um, the staff and I, uh, we, we call these steps toward life change, we, we call them wins. And every week in the office, in our staff meetings and other times that we gather around, we, we talk about and celebrate these wins. We talk about you guys. When we get together, we talk about you and we celebrate you. We celebrate things like the person who is attending Christ's walk for the first, second, or third time. We celebrate people when they invite a friend or a family member to come along with them and attend church. We celebrate when, when someone fills out a Connect card that, that, and they communicate that they made a decision to follow Jesus with their life. We celebrate when, um, when you guys take a step to go public with your faith through water baptism. We celebrate when one of you gives financially for the first time and trusts God and the church with your financial resources. We celebrate when one of you joins a, a team and begins to serve in the church, like in Kids Walk or in guest services. We celebrate when, when someone joins a small group and commits to doing life with another group of believers so that they can grow in their faith. We celebrate things like this. And, and each of these individual steps, they may be small, but when you smush them all together, it adds up to this incredible walk with Christ that you can look at the journey that someone has taken over the course of their life. And we celebrate that. People taking steps toward life change in Jesus. Here's the deal. With every one of those steps that you and I take, it doesn't mean that we just become better versions of our old self. All right? It doesn't mean we become better versions of our old self with, with every step towards life change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone belongs to Christ, this is Paul writing, he says, If anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. What kind? New. There's a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything is made new. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you aren't just a better version of yourself. You're a new creation. That is the ministry of Jesus. He takes the old things and makes them brand spanking sparkly new. That's the ministry of Jesus that I invite you to consider today. The second thing that you should consider about Jesus is consider Jesus' method, not just his ministry, but also consider Jesus' method. See, other religions and religious leaders, they're often a bunch of talk, or it's a bunch of rules and, and regulations and guidelines for, for people to follow and adhere to. But Jesus, he was a man of action, he did something about what he preached and what he taught. He put it into action. Jesus actively loved us in spite of our sin and went to the cross on our behalf. And while he was on the cross, as he was hanging there, he prayed this prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing the very people that were persecuting him, the very people who had nailed him to the cross while he was hanging there in his agony, he prayed that they would be forgiven because they were unaware of what they had done. While he was on the cross, he, he lifted his head towards heaven and, and he proclaimed, it is finished. In other words, the thing that I set out to accomplish when I came to this earth has been done. 
While he was on the cross, he prayed to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In other words, I'm fully surrendered to you and what you would have to do in and through me. And there was a Roman centurion at the foot of the cross that day who was privy. He was witness to all of this. And that Roman centurion, the, the very one who had driven the spikes through his hands and his feet, and he had lifted him up, he looked at Jesus and he saw, after, being, after, after having the experience that he had, he looked at Jesus and said, Surely this man was the Son of God. They took Jesus off the cross, and three days later, they put him in a, or, uh, they put him in a grave, and, and, and they put this big stone in front of it. And three days later, the, the earth trembled, and, and there was a massive earthquake, and that stone rolled away. And Jesus, who had been dead, he got up, and he walked out of that grave, and he defeated death, hell, and the grave in the process, and overcame sin once and for all. That is his method that he makes available to us. He loved us with action. He took action. He didn't just say, follow these rules. He said, no, I'm going to go and do this for you. Peter writes about it, or talks about it in Acts chapter 3, verse 15. Peter said, and so you killed the one who gives life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses to this. And there's a lot of skeptics or detractors that they would try to argue that, that, that whether or not this really happened. And there's some theories floating around there about how the resurrection of Jesus could have been faked. And one of the theories is that um, the Roman soldiers stole the body of Jesus and they hid it. Here's the thing. That can't be true. Because the Roman soldiers who were guarding Jesus' body got in a lot of trouble for the fact that he couldn't be found. So there would be no reason for them to take the body and to hide it only to get in trouble themselves. And beyond that, the enemies of Jesus, the, the state that put him to death, they would have loved nothing more than to have produced a dead body that they could have paraded around the city and said, see, we told you. So that argument doesn't hold up. And then there's the argument that maybe the disciples took the body and, and they hid it. That somehow these, these 11 backwater um, uh, uh, hillbillies, uneducated, that they overpowered the, the trained and armed Roman guards and that they were able to take this body away and that the Roman guards never testified otherwise that this had happened. And then, and then in the midst of all of that, that these, these 11 backwater hillbilly guys, that they were able to come up with the greatest, uh, the, the greatest, most elaborate and deceptive plan in the history of the world. And they were able to carry it out and then keep it secret all these years. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. See, on top of that, had it even been, had, had that even been possible, and had they even been able to do that, all of them would have taken on a great amount of risk with no personal gain. In fact, 10 of the 11 of them were killed because of their belief in Jesus. All 11 of them were strongly persecuted because of their faith. Thomas 
We know him as Doubting Thomas from the Gospels because he didn't believe at first that Jesus had risen from the dead. He said, until I put my hand in his side where the spear pierced his flesh, until I see the nail prints in his hands, I will not believe. He had an encounter with Jesus, and it was so strong that later, as he was a missionary to India, he was given the chance to either die or uh, renege on his faith, and he chose to stand firm and what he believed in and they drove a spear through him until he died. People would not die for a lie in that way. They wouldn't take that on to cover up an elaborate scheme. And now over 2,000 years later under massive global persecution more than 2 billion people follow Jesus because of his method simply because that he put this plan into action and he pursued us with his love and he went to the cross and died in our place. We even consider Jesus himself. Consider Jesus himself. He was one of three things. He was either a liar and the things that he did, there was no truth in them. Or he was a lunatic because he believed that he was the son of God and he was willing to die for all of the lies that he had, that, that he had amassed and, and everything that he had done. Or, or maybe, just maybe, he was Lord. He was who he said he was. And when you weigh the facts against everything, you see that it's possible. And I believe, factual, that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus is and was who the Bible claims that he is. And that he came to this earth, fully God, fully man. And he walked among us. And he died on the cross in our place. It's the only reasonable explanation that I can come up with. So consider Jesus' ministry. Consider Jesus' method. And then finally, consider Jesus' message. In Romans chapter 3, Paul writes, God makes people right with himself through their faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for all who believe in Christ. Because all people are the same. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And all need to be made right with God by his grace, which is a free gift. They need to be made free from sin through Jesus Christ. God sent him to die in our place to take away our sins. We receive forgiveness through faith in the blood of Jesus' death. This showed that God always does what is right and fair. As in the past when he was patient and did not punish people for their sins. And God gave Jesus to show today that he does what is right. God did this so he could judge rightly. And he could make right any person who has faith in Jesus. See, with Jesus, it's not about religion. He came to this earth and he bled and died in our place because he wants to have a relationship with us. It's not about religion. With Jesus, it's about relationship. That's his message. Forget religion. I want a relationship with you. See, religion is about what I do. 
Relationship is about what Jesus did. Religion is all about me. Relationship is all about Jesus. Religion says we have to. Relationship says we get to. Religion means an obligation to the rules. Relationship means a response to love. Religion communicates if I obey, then God will love me. Relationship communicates because God loves me, I can obey. Religion is spelled D-O. Relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. It's already been done. The work and the power of the cross. We are not left wanting. God is not sitting up in heaven with this checklist. Well, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And if you check off all the boxes, then he'll love us. No, God loved us first. And that while we were sinners, he sent Jesus Christ to die in our place. It's not about anything that we can do. It's about what Christ has already done for us. That is the message of Jesus Christ, his ministry, his method. And his message stands alone. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things is not like the other. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, you know, this makes a lot of sense. What you're talking about makes a lot of sense. And, and, and maybe you're here today and, and, and you've, tried to, you've tried to receive salvation and forgiveness and, 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 and everything through, through just a bunch of works and trying to be a good person. And that really hasn't worked out for you. And you'd say, Pastor Blake, I, I'd really like to, to take a step of faith. And, and I'd like to put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus because I realize that it isn't about me. It's about the things that he's already done on my behalf. If you would like to accept what Jesus has done for you and get out of your old way of religion and step into the new way of a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's so simple. In fact, it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, and choose. You admit that you're a sinner in need of salvation. You believe that Jesus is who he claimed he was, that he is who the Bible says he was, that he is God's son sent to earth from heaven. 100% man, 100% God, that he walked among us. He died in our place. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead, defeating sin, death, hell, and the grave. And then see, you choose to put your faith and your hope and your trust in him. To surrender your life to him and his ways. It's as easy as ABC. If that's you today, and you would like to step into a relationship with Jesus and put the old ways of religion and the old ways of life and your old self in the background and become a new creation today, 
If that's you, then I would invite you to pray this prayer along with me. It'll be on the back screen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.